Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I don't want to take any more time because I have the absolute privilege and honor. Today is the first time all the stars aligned. My dad was able to be here for the golf tournament, which was awesome. And since he was here, I was like, hey, do you want to preach on Sunday? Like this was, and the dynamic of this, you guys, my mom and dad have been the ones that, that, that kept me in church my whole life from when I was six years old and when they got married. And so, and also funny thing, a lot of people, this is, I know this always, I feel like this always causes confusion because it's still, there's still some people just figuring out that I'm Mexican. And yes, I am full blood Mexican. And then I bring up my very white dad and they're like, oh, I think he's lying to us. <laughs> this is my dad. Yes, he is my stepdad. He's not my biological father, but that doesn't separate anything from me. Like, this is my dad. I am Mexican, and I do have a white dad. <laughs> and I love him to death. And it's because of this man of why I am where I am today. And this weekend, it was just very surreal for me because I grew up, you know, we came here to be a part of their church. 13 years ago, my mom and dad were leaving a, leading a church in Sulphur Springs, and we came, and honestly, I came pretty church hurt from Michigan, and, and I got here. I had a two-year plan to get in and get out, and I told them, I said, I don't want nothing to do with your church. I don't want anything to do with your ministry. We're not doing anything. I don't even want to make any friends because I, I was hurt, and I wanted to get, I was going to go to school and then go back up to Michigan. I'm like, this is not my home. I prayed against my mom's prayers to get me to Florida. She said she would pray to God. I said, I'm canceling those. And here we are 13 years later. Not only did we start helping out at my mom and dad's church, but started this incredible journey just into what God absolutely has for me and my wife. So you guys, we're here because of my mom. We're in Florida because of my mom and dad, and we are in ministry because they didn't give up on us and he didn't, you know, beat me over the head too badly when I was said I don't want anything to do with God <laughs> right now. So please give it up in honor for my dad, Tim Bonzelar. All right. Yes, it's been a journey, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been good though, so good. And it is, it's, it is kind of surreal for me too to be here today, but it's. Uh, such a great pleasure to be able to come and, and minister to, to the folks in the house. And we've been here several times and just have been blessed uh, every time we've been here. And so, yeah, it's just to be here in this, to be able to share with you in this way, it's just, just a real privilege, real honor. And again, my name is Tim Bonslar. This is my wife, Teresa. And so when, like when Jimmy mentioned, yeah. I was going to ask you to give it up, but you all just, just went right to it, so that's good. But she's, when Jimmy talks about his mom that made him do things that he never wanted to do, she's, she's the culprit right there, and I honor her as well. So, yeah, God is so good. Amen, amen. But, yeah, just a little bit about uh, us, about me, about our story, uh, how we got here. Um, as Jimmy said, born, it's part of our family. We raised our family in Michigan, 
Uh, in about 2004, we got a call of first full-time ministry after all our kids. In fact, I think Jimmy and Gigi had just gotten married, uh, and our kids were all kind of out of the house. And God called us into full-time ministry. We ended up going to uh, Columbus, Ohio for a season, and then Hamilton, Alabama for a season. We worked with a guy named Eddie James. Uh, we helped manage his team. We ended up in Tampa, Florida in 2006 uh, with our, for our youth pastor, our the youth pastor at our church from Michigan had started this inner city church in Sulphur Springs. Uh, if you're familiar with Tampa, one of the most economically and socially challenged areas of Tampa. But God called us there, and we loved it. And within a couple years of us being there, uh, the, the pastor that we came alongside, uh, the deals left. Their son Jordan went to be in ministry school, so they went with him. And so we were there, and uh, they asked us to kind of be interim people. For a season, and lo and behold, here we are. You know, several years later, we we passed, we took over the church and pastored it. A couple years into it, that's when Jimmy and Gigi came down to Florida. We prayed them in, and like Jimmy said, uh, they didn't want anything to do with ministry. We're cool with that. Just get over here. Uh, I think Mia was like about two months old at the time when they made it down here, and uh, yeah, so they didn't want anything to do with ministry. We're still praying that one day that they'll get involved in ministry again. <laughs> no, I feel like I'm kidding with that. I tell you what, I, I had to take a moment, even this morning when I went into Jimmy's office and we're just, you know, kind of getting ready and everything. And there's a picture uh, that Jimmy's got up there of when I'm just, this is probably from like seven or eight years ago, when I'm just praying over them, praying a blessing over them, and I looked at that, and I really had to gather myself for a sec, say, oh boy, get it together, my man, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> no, but it was really, really good. And so, yeah, it, it, even in our ministry in, in uh, Sulphur Springs in Tampa, really what was the kind of what characterized our, our ministry and what we did was is that we were going to encounter Jesus. We were determined to encounter Jesus, even in, the, even in that environment where there's so much uh, need in that community. There's so much outreach to be done. Uh, and so, uh, obviously, we're, we're, we're going out into the streets and we're doing all this kind of uh, ministry, but first and foremost, we understood that even before we do that, we have to have an encounter with Jesus. We've, we've got to encounter him in a powerful way. We've got to touch his heart. We've got to get his heart for what he wants to do in, in, the, in that community, right? And so, so much of our ministry has been really driven by encounter with Jesus. We need an authentic encounter with Jesus and not just, not just a one-time thing, not just a thing where you say, well, I had an experience with Jesus back you know, in 1999 or whatever it is, and that's been, been something that been, you've been living off of. Uh, God has called us to encounter him every single day, in every single way. And so I, I'll just say, even this morning when I came, my, my number one priority, what my thought on my mind was, I am coming to church this morning to encounter Jesus. I want to encounter him in a fresh way, in a new way. Because that's where, that's where life happens in us. That's where we get reignited. That's where we get centered and staying on focus to say, okay, God, you have a plan and purpose for my life. And, I'm gonna, I'm, and it's in those places of encounter that that kind of thing is birthed in us. 
that kind of thing is sustained in us, okay? So um, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. In fact, what I'm going to do this morning really is kind of a little bit different. I'm not going to have like three, three points in a conclusion or anything like that. Uh, in, this, in this spirit of encountering Jesus, I, I, we're going to go into the Word, man. I love the Word of God. Anybody else love, just love the Word? Love the Word of God. There's so much in there. There's so rich richness in there, especially in the Gospels, where we see there's all these stories in the Gospels. And all these stories really are, are, are depictions, are stories of, of people. And, and they're not just, look at, they're not just fables. They're not, not just stories that people made up. These are things that, that, that really happened, it really, real life experiences for people, where they, they encountered Jesus in a powerful way, and they were transformed forever because of it. And so I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. In fact, uh, when we talk about the Gospels and, like I said, all these stories and all these stories are people encountering Jesus. I'm just going to take one story from the Gospel, and we're just going to go through it, and we're just going to stop, we're going to look, and we're going to listen, we're going to pay attention to this encounter with Jesus. It's so I mean, we, our lives are so busy, so rushed, so running here and there. And even, even in our devotional life, we, a lot of times we, just, we, we have a plan and we want to get through it. And we don't really take time to, to see what, what God would say in these things. So what I want to do the, this morning is just take a minute, put ourselves in one of these scenarios, and really just walk through it line by line. And just allow the Holy Spirit to say, okay, what's happening here? What's really happening here in this, in, 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 in the Word? And I love this because even as I read the Word, I, if anybody's like me, I'll read the Word sometimes and I'll, I'll be like, what? You know, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I totally understand what you're saying here. It doesn't really, I can't wrap my rain, mind around that. It doesn't make sense to me. Anybody else have that? Where they, where they read the Word, it's like, okay. I, I need to sit on this one for a minute, and I think that's part of how God, you know, that's part of his, his the way he f- flows with us. He wants us to not maybe totally get the big picture all at once, because he's drawing us in. He's drawing us in. Come on, come on, take a look, dive a little bit deeper into this word, and see what's really happening here. And so, that's what I'm going to do today. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to read a uh, passage from Mark uh, chapter 9. And it's, it's the story of, it, it's characterized different ways. It's the, it's, sometimes it just says Jesus heals a, a, a deaf and dumb boy. It's the father and the son. But it's found in Mark 4, or Mark 9. Actually, it's found in all three, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's, this story is, shows up. And just, this is just my Bible teacher coming out. This, Matthew, Mark, and Luke you find a lot of the similar stories appear in each of these Gospels. That's why they call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic Gospels, because there's a lot of the stories that are similar. John's a little bit different. There are some stories in John that match up with Matthew, Mark, and Luke's stories, but a lot of times he has a different narrative. But anyway, okay, sideline. But let's turn to, if you have a Bible, or maybe it's on the screen. Yeah, hey, there it is. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. I'm just going to read this through. Uh, there's like 15, 16 verses. I'm going to read it through, and then we're going to go back, backtrack, and then just take it a little bit line by line and, and see what the Holy Spirit says. And I'll just say this too. As we're doing this, 
Scripture is so deep. It's so rich. There's so many layers to it. We're going to, as we go through this, we're going to, we're going to, you know, uncover some things and the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal some things to us. But you know what? We can look at this scripture, the same scripture tomorrow and see totally different things. There's just so much. There's so much. But we're going to take a minute and just, and just allow the Holy Spirit to highlight some things for us. So Mark, 19, Mark 9, 14 through 29, I'm going to read it and then we're going to go back. It starts out like this. It says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when they saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and to enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And as he became as one dead, so that many had said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come out into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I'm just going to pray real, real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the truth, God, that is found in your word. We thank you for revealing yourself in your word. Father, we thank you for uh, causing your word, Father, to 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 reside, God, in, in us to, that causes us to, to move us and to make us more like you, Jesus. So give us wisdom today. Give us peace. Holy Spirit, have your way. Show us what you want to see. Want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So let's take this scripture passage and, and kind of uh, look at it a little bit deeper. First of all, a little background on the passage just prior to this, this scenario that we just read about, just prior to that is when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And they have this incredible experience of they see the visions of Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah. And they are just floored. It, it was something like they've never experienced, obviously, before. And so, and Jesus was, was there and, you know, the guys got flustered, but Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. Don't, don't even talk about this until, you know, 
another time. But anyway, it's this mountaintop experience that it's kind of on the heels of what we're just about, what just happened here. So let's look at, again, at verse 14. And he came, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and, describe, and the scribes disputing with them. Okay, so picture this. Jesus, just coming from a mountaintop experience, comes down to kind of reunite with his disciples. What's the first thing he sees? He sees his disciples disputing with these other guys. They're, they're, they're going back and forth. They're jawing at each other. They're, the, the scribes and, and his disciples are just in this big argument, and it's, it's such a big commotion that it ga- even gathers a crowd around, right? So the first thing that Jesus, when he comes off the mountaintop, is here's his disciples. It's like, can I even go away for a little bit of time and come back and I got to deal with this now? So, the scribes dispute, and, 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 and then and it says verse 15, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted, greeted him. It's just, that's just a testimony, a testament of, of the popularity, the, uh, uh, the fact that Jesus couldn't go anywhere, and people were were flocking to him. And and it just speaks to this fact that Jesus, I'll just say this, Jesus is the most fascinating figure that has ever walked the planet Earth. There's been no one like him, there will be no one to come like him. He's the most fascinating figure. And people are drawn to him. I hope that Jesus is a fascinating figure to you even. You know, um, they used to have this commercial on TV about this, yeah, I don't the most interesting man in the world, you know what I mean? I forget, I don't, yeah, Dos Equis, you know, hey, stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Jesus, compared to Jesus, that guy was like Casper Milk Toast, you know what I'm saying? Jesus is the most fascinating person to ever walk the earth. So here he is. And then he says this. And he asks the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, foams in the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So verse 16, Jesus addresses the scribes. Okay, so who are the scribes? The scribes are the uh, kind of the religious scholars of that day. They are the ones that had a very important job of meticulously, you know, transcribing. That's why they call them scribes, transcribing the word. Uh, and, and so they were smart guys. They were educated guys. But they also uh, thought they were kind of, I would say this, they, they, they thought that they were on a different level than everybody else kind of thing. And so this is one of the things that, that, that Jesus and them, reasons why Jesus and the scribes, a lot of times when we talk about the scribes, they'll uh, refer to them as the scribes and the Pharisees. They kind of, kind of ran in the same circles. But they were the religious scholars. They were, they were self-righteous. They were full of self-importance. And the other thing that they were was that they were... Uh, they were on a mission to, to really uh, diminish and discredit Jesus and his work and what he stood for and what his, what, he, what his preaching was when he preached the kingdom, okay? 
In fact, Jesus, they were threatened by Jesus because Jesus quite often made a point to say, hey, you guys, you guys know the letter of the law, but you don't understand the spirit of the law. That you know how, you, you, in fact, you tell people to live a certain way, but you don't even yourselves live that way. And so there was this, this thing with the scribes that, that they were always trying to discredit, always trying to diminish, always trying to, uh, uh, attempting to paint Jesus as a fraud as, as, and the movement of, uh, as illegitimate. Okay, So that's who the scribes were. And so Jesus addresses them and says, what are you discussing with them? And, you know, and they've, been, they've confronted Jesus enough to know that you know, they've been schooled a few times already by Jesus. And so when he asks them the questions, they don't even respond. They're like, ah, now nah, we ain't even going to go there because we we've, been, we've been schooled. If you, just, like, just like I got schooled. <laughs> I, I, I just got to say this. <laughs> Gigi posterized me a couple times yesterday on the basketball court. So, <laughs> so I'm eating humble pie this morning. <laughs> so they didn't even say anything to him. But someone from the crowd spoke up and said, hey, this is what happened. You know, this is my, 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 my son, this this father brought his son who has had this issue for years and years and years. And it's like, I don't, this is not God's heart for my child. I don't want this for my child. His father's heart for his son compelled him to bring, to bring his son to say, there's got to be a way. I don't want to see my son go through this anymore. And I don't want to see my son suffer like this anymore. There's, a be- there's something better for him. And I-, I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. Jesus just might be able to do it. In fact, I, I-, I believe it so much that I'm going to go and I'm going to bring him to Jesus and- and with the expectation that-, that my son can be healed in the midst of this, you know, lifelong thing that he's had. He still can be healed. And so, and so uh, he brings him and describes to him, to Jesus, that, hey, I brought this you weren't here, but your disciples were here. And I believe that your disciples, you know, are, you know, carry what you carry. And so I, they tried to do it, to cast it out, but they could not. And so we kind of get the picture here of what's going on. This, this man brings his son to get healed by Jesus and the disciples go to cast it out and they could not. And here are the scribes waiting in the wings to point the finger. Say, see, aha, see, this Jesus that you, you proclaim to know and serve, he couldn't do it, could he? And so you've got this, this, these accusations, and this is the bickering that's happening right then and there. And I guess for us, we have to understand that when we're called and when, when Jesus gets a hold of our life and begins to do, do incredible things in our life, when we, be, we begin to testify of his goodness and of his grace and, and, and saying what, uh, what he's done in us, God, there's always going to be those voices there that's, that, that, that whenever you don't live up to the standard that folks think you ought to as a Christian, they're going to be pointing the fingers and say, okay, where's Jesus now? Is this the Jesus that you serve? Are you, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that he can do what he said he can do? Do you really believe that he's done in your life, that what you testify that he's done? There's going to be those voices. There's going to be those accusations. You have to understand that. They're going to be there. 
And so Jesus says, as the guy tells him the story, his response is, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. I read that, and I thought, the first thing I thought was, wow, Jesus, man, that's, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, oh, faithless generation, oh, wow. How long shall I be with you? Oh, I, uh, here's the thing. Jesus is so good. He's so real. But the thing of it is, he gets agitated sometimes, too. We do dumb stuff. We, we don't catch on too quick sometimes, right? I'll just throw it out there. You know, Jimmy, when he was a kid, there are certain things he didn't catch on to too quick. So he was like, come on, dude. How many times have we gone over this? <laughs> And so Jesus sometimes is that way with us. And it's not, here's the thing. Jesus is not always going to throw you a pity party. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be times where, and it's happened to me a a bunch of times, where Jesus gets in your face and say, hey, knucklehead, do we have to go over this again? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He's not always, he, he's, sometimes he comes at us and it feels like, it almost feels like rejection because it's not, it's not, what, we, it's not what we were expecting to get when we, when we came to him. Uh, I need help. I messed up here. Can you help me? I'm trying to do this and that. He doesn't always say, oh, come here, child, and love on you. Sometimes he goes, I, we, we talked about this. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. Jesus will not always throw you a pity party when you're looking for a pity party. He will sometimes get in your face and say, this is how it is, son. We've gone over this. Sometimes it will seem kind of, kind of harsh and kind of firm. And I don't know about you, but I have needed that several times in my life. But here's the thing. Jesus may speak in that way to us sometimes. He might respond to us in that way sometimes. But he will never, ever, ever reject us. He will never, ever, ever reject us. We might take it as when we don't get, we don't hear what we want to hear. Sometimes we take it as rejection, but it's not rejection. He will never, ever reject us. Because look at this. After he says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Then what does he say? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. And what does he do? He ministers to him. He asked the, he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. We sang that song this morning. We sang that song this morning. 
if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And then it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. With tears. Lord, I believe. Lord, I kind of believe. Lord, I want to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Has anybody been there? Has anybody been there? He w- but he says, and here's the question. The father said, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This is what I have to say about that. The father took the son to the disciples, believing that they could do the miraculous and heal his son. Didn't happen that way. Scribes come on the scene, start pointing figures, start saying, aha. What does that do to his belief system? He came believing, but then he was met with some opposition, some some. some accusations, some, some things, and this is what I'm saying, and this is what I referred to bef- before. The enemy will come at you if you come believing, and it, things kind of go sideways a little bit, as life sometimes does, and the opposition comes. This is what you need to do, that, because who has the truth? Jesus has the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We've got to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ because there's going to be lying, deceiving, uh, untruths spoken in your direction that, that you have to be careful not to grab hold of. Not, not to say, okay, maybe, maybe they got a point there. No. That's why we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and say, Okay, that's what they're saying, but what does the Word say? What does Jesus say? What can Jesus do? And those are the things that we lay hold of. That's why this this guy was in this struggle. I believe, but I'm not sure I believe. So that's why we take every thought captive and say, Jesus is who he said he is. He can do what he said he can do. I am who he says I am. And he says, I can do all things. To him who believes. And we talked about that even, we sang and talked about it this morning. Jesus can do all things. But this is what Jesus said. No, I know I can do all things. And so, so when, the, when the guy asked him, but if you can do anything, that's why he turned the question around back to the guy and says, I know I can, I know I can do it. But then he says, but if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So we know Jesus can do it. But Jesus just said that if we believe, we can do it too. And here's the thing. We have to understand that the power of God that resides in Jesus, the power of God that resides in Jesus, resides in his people as well. For those who believe, 
All things are possible. And it's not just like, well, it's a possibility. No, it's not like that. It's, po- it's all things are possible. That word possible uh, in the Greek, it, it's dunata, and it has the same root word as the word dunamis, which means power. So it's saying that you have the power within you to speak to those situations, to, to cause those things that, that God has spoken in you and through you to, to manifest. All things are possible. That power is in you. You've been endued with it. Oh, man, i got to wrap it up. Immediately the father child cried out with tears. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And when he became out as one dead, so that many, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And this is where I'm going to conclude it here. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What is prayer and fasting? It's really getting in the place where we can hear and see and know God. Where we can, it's that secret place that we go and experience when we hear the Father's voice. We feel his touch when we're transformed. That word prayer is prosuke, which means face-to-face, in the secret place, one-on-one. That's why prayer is so important. That's where the impartation is. Uh, His voice tells you who you are. His voice tells you what you can do. His voice tells you what you were born for and what you're made for. And that nothing is impossible when you know that he lives inside of you and that you and your father are one. Stop, look, and listen. Jesus did it this way. He he said over and over again, Jesus said over and over again, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. He stops. He looks. What are you doing, Father? He listens. What are you saying, Father? And that's that's what he goes after. We're created that way. The Father and the Son we're created to look to our Father. We're, create, we're wired to, to crave to be drawn to the Father's voice. I work as the director of fatherhood initiatives for a pregnancy care center up north. Fort, we have four centers. And I see so many young men that come in through our doors, and I, we've talked to, I've talked to Jimmy about this, that have no frame of reference for what a father looks like, what a healthy father looks like, or what a healthy family looks like. But that's what we but the, that's what we crave. That's what we're created for. The Father's voice. There's such power in the Father's voice. That's why we need to enter those places of encounter to hear the Father's voice. Enter the secret place where we, we, we touch and feel and hear His heartbeat. So that we know that all things are possible. Because He's on the inside of living on the inside of us. Just one quick story about the power of a father's voice. My wife was raised in a Hispanic home. Seven children, no father. They grew up with no father in the home. 
the other, uh, about six months ago or so, uh, one of her uncles passed away. And so we went to the memorial service there, and a couple of her brothers were, a couple of your brothers were there. One of the brothers had moved to Wisconsin. He came back for the memorial service. And so during, in that memorial service, the pastor said, is, is there anyone that has a, anything they want to share about Uncle Victor, you know, experiences with Uncle Victor? And so her brother, uh, never, not to, never, never the shy one, stood up and, <laughs> and, and went up front and he gave this testimony. He said, one day when I was in my truck, he was, he was a truck driver at the time, and I drove past this gas station near where Uncle Victor lived, and he saw somebody pumping gas there, and he was pretty sure it was Uncle Victor. So he, he texted Uncle Victor, I think, it, and it was, and he says, hey, Uncle Victor, I, I, I just passed the gas station. I'm pretty sure that was you. I just want to say, I just saw you just a, just a minute ago. He got, uh, a te- he got a message back, you know, shortly. And the message said this. He says, hey, this is, this is your Uncle Victor. Uh, no, me, no, mijo, that wasn't me. Mijo means beloved son. No, mijo, that wasn't me. That was your aunt and I are in Texas right now. And my wife's brother said, now this is a 50-some-year-old man who had raised a family. He said that he had to pull over off the side of the road because he was overcome with emotion because he said this. He said, I've been waiting my whole life for a man to call me mijo. It's the power of a father's voice. The power of a father's voice. I'm just going to leave it right here. Like I said, we, I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray in just a minute, Jimmy, but if you've got prayer partners, just come on up. Because I'm going to kind of put a, an opportunity for us to pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what I do, I meet young men, and, and I'll tell you what, the, the, the statistics and the studies and the, the reality of fatherlessness in this generation is epidemic. And all the studies show what kind of an impact that has on lives and society and culture. And... We need men and women to rise up and to be a voice of a father to the generation that's rising up that doesn't know what it's like to have a father. And so many of the men that, young men that come through, again, have no clue. And what happens is a lot of times if, if we've had situations where we've had, had fatherlessness, abandoned by fathers, mistreatment by, fra- by fathers. It makes it so difficult to, to know and understand it, to lay hold of the love of the Father. And that's what we are created for, to fully know and love 
the Father. And so one thing I'm going to, I'm going to pray here, I'm going to ask, if you're in this room and maybe you've got your experience with your dad wasn't ideal. There were issues, there were problems, and it may be something that you've, been, you've stuffed down for, for years and years and years, but it still services from time to time and say, I've had this disappointment, I've had this deal with my father. I wanna, we want to deal with that. There has to be forgiveness there, because I, I'll be honest with you, many times, those situations with our fathers, your dad couldn't give you what he never got himself. So we have to find that place of forgiveness. Forgive our dad so that we can step fully into understanding and knowing the love of the father. So this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray right now, and those folks are going to be up here. And if there's any other prayer needs to, you know, besides the one I'm kind of calling out, Feel free to come up and, you know, touch base with these, these incredible prayer partners. But let's just bow our heads a minute. If anyone has that as part of their story and you really want to walk in a higher level of freedom from that, today is kind of a day that you can, you can take advantage of that. You can have an encounter with the Father heart of God this morning. So I welcome you to come and touch base with one of these folks. So Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you for your goodness and your grace. You are our Father that never fails us, that never rejects us. No matter what our experience is, God, your, your heart for us is pure. Your heart for us is, is full of love and compassion and goodness and kindness and grace and wisdom. We want to experience that fullness this morning. So God, move in the hearts of your people to draw them that place with you, God. That place of, of knowing you and loving you and encountering you as the Father that's full of love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.